They both sound perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. You're beautiful. I was just like, oh, yeah. Someone pointed out there, like, when she's Galinda. Yeah. She has this, like, very, like, "Eh." but when she's Glinda, she, like, drops in her voice Mm. because Glinda is, like, who she actually is. Uh, And I'm like, what a choice, sorry. I can't believe that it has to be in two parts. I I'm okay with that. Prolong but I don't want to wait. Could, I don't want to wait for another <laughs> wicked movie. But I will. I know I will. I'll wait for three. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I think we just got the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Connor Perkins. And I'm Caroline A. Meddy. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. It's great having you back here with us. And welcome to any new listeners. Thank you so much for hitting play. And please also remember to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. So all of our episodes download to your device. You don't miss out on anything. And then when you get to the end of the episode, make sure that you hit five stars and leave a written review wherever you're listening to the podcast so that other people can find the podcast. We're seen in search results, all that good stuff. And for those returning listeners, if you haven't left a review, please, 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 please do it because Caroline's wedding is coming up <laughs> and she deserves that as a wedding present. Yeah, thank you. we actually did get two very lovely new ones recently. So thank you to we those did. listeners. Thank you. It those were so, so nice. Yes. All right. So Caroline, what's new? Well, um, Maleficent caught fire. She did. (laughs) So now that continues the curse of the Maleficent dragon. They've just been having a tough time. So this was the Maleficent and the Phantasmic show. Nobody was hurt. Everything was fine. She's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But I think they've stopped the pyro effects of the Maleficent dragon in Festival of Fantasy also. Yeah. yeah. Shortly after this, because as a precautionary measure. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. So just, you know, in in some hot mess news. But um, today, as we are recording this episode, it is May 4th. So as you're listening, a late May the 4th be with you. And to celebrate... (laughs) Disney did a couple of things, but one of them was releasing the recording of the music from the Galactic Star Cruiser. So if you look it up on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, the artist is Gaia. So that's the singer on the Star Cruiser. And I've got to tell y'all, what I've heard so far, it's really good. Who would have thunk? <laughs> Yo, they're trying to get people on that Star Cruiser. They Honestly, really I, I was going to say, like, applause to whoever on the team was like, you know what? Let's release the soundtrack. <laughs> like, that's a smart move. Listen, I want to go. I just make it a little bit more I did, That's what I, I was listening to it. And I was like, shit, I'd get into this on there. Just just get get me at a price point that we can work with. And I'm there. Like, <laughs> oh, man. And you told me another piece of Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, we, okay, me. so, because I'm a geek now who is obsessed with Star Wars Jedi Fallen yeah. Order, uh, the Cal Kestis Legacy lightsaber hilt is also available. And it is his <sighs> lightsaber, and it's so freaking cool. It's a double-bladed lightsaber that has two hilts. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And also, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is out the sequel yes. to that video game, and I have it now. And I'm Yes! Really I love your Star Wars era that's happening. Yeah, yeah. And then it, while we're on Star Wars, today, Carrie Fisher got yes. her name added yes, to the Hollywood Walk of Fame posthumously. Uh, so yes. that was uh, very, very nice. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and other lovely news as well. We, in the past, since the last time we recorded, we got the trailer for Wish, which will be released on November 22nd, giving us, as we knew a little bit before, I think, Asha, a new Disney princess in the official Disney princess lineup. 
Listen, this is going to be my entire identity. Yeah, it I am absolutely so will. <laughs> freaking excited for this film because as the 100 years of Disney celebration is continuing mm-hmm. and sort of like hitting its penultimate moment with Wish, yeah. They are fusing the traditional 2D and CG animation together and it's very much kind of the style of like Paper Man and Feast and you know even Little Match Girl a little bit and I am I I love it so much I am it's so beautiful. excited to see it I've been waiting for them to do this type of thing in a feature film for a long time uh I feel like the only feature film that I've seen really do it is Klaus and that's not Disney oh, and should have yeah. been Disney. Oh, that was beautiful. Oh, it was yeah. stunning. Stunning. So I am so excited for this. We got a villain. We get magic. We get Chris Pine. We get Ariana DeBose. We get yeah. beautiful music by, Jul- what is it, Julia Michaels? I actually don't know. Who did the, um, I got issues. That's who's doing the music for this? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wait. The pop Julia Michaels? Yes. I, I love her. Wait, how did I not know this? Yeah, so we've got beautiful music by pop star Julia Michaels. What? She's doing all the music for Wish. Yeah. Oh, that's a game changer. Yeah. Oh, that's... Get excited oh. for Wish, baby. Oh, because they have me already with the teasing they've done of like, we're going to tie together all of like the wishing upon a stars from all of the Disney movies. Like I need them to come through for me on that because that fascinates me. But also in that trailer, them just hitting you with like from the studio that brought you Moana, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. And I'm just like going through the history of Disney and then being like, this is a film that's a hundred years in the making. I'm like, ah. That's a, that so is jealous a high of Ariana bar. I know. Oh my god! I'm like, you get to be that person. You get to be that character. The actresses they are adding to the Disney princess lineup in terms of voice talent is woo. It's juicy. Good. It's good. Yeah. So yeah, and then we also speaking of beautiful voices, Halle Bailey's "Part of Your World" single oh. was released. Whew. So good. It's flawless. It's, it's beautiful. Like that, you can hear how flawless her acting is going to be as well, which is so exciting to me. And the interesting thing is if you go, you know, it's it's in the album. Obviously, none of the rest of the album is released yet. Um, there's tracks that they won't share the title of, which woo, yeah. I'm so excited for that. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I said, that's coming out one day before the wedding. So I know what I'll be doing getting ready. We've also gotten those beautiful character posters for... <gasps> That look like the Little Vogue. Mermaid. It's Vogue. it looks like Vogue. It's oh, so my God. so beautiful. And I've also just really in- enjoyed some of the interviews that we've gotten from them <gasps> yeah. recently. Like Melissa McCarthy talking about when she first heard Hallie sing. Yes, and she, on set yes, and she and cried. She's crying. And she's like, I always cry when people sing. And she's like, but this was something else. And she's like, and then you hear her sing. Oh God. Yeah. I love Melissa McCarthy. She's a real, I do too. real pro. Yeah, and we got a peek at Vanessa for the first time because they've released the dolls. The dolls. So now we can see what these characters... We've seen some of the... Like, we've seen Ariel's, like, on the town outfit already. But now we get to see Vanessa's outfit, which is this purple, like, drop poof shoulder. Oh, oh, my good. I'm going to... that Talk about things becoming my personality. It's going to be that dress. (laughs) So soon. Can't wait. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is... Out oh, in right. theaters when you listen oh, to this. Yes, yeah. and and Peter Pan and Wendy is out as well. Yeah, yeah they had yeah. their premiere. Had their premiere. Yeah, 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 things are happening. Happy yeah, movies. Happy movies. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I kind of, I kind of despise that we usually end up wrapping with something like this, but Disney is suing Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're counter suing now. It's just, it's just uh, descending into a bunch. Yeah, of sometimes shit. I just, some days I can get into it, and some days I just can't, and I just yeah, need to talk was, about Vanessa's yeah. poofy dress and just call it. Yeah, so. yeah. So, I mean, listen, we're probably not going to give you many updates about this that are as in depth as what we've been doing because clearly it's going to go on for quite yeah, some time. Yeah. So, I mean, literally this time last year was when we were talking about the "Don't Say Gay" bill. And wow, when time all of flies. this began. Yep. So yep. It, y- buckle in, folks. We'll give you a little <laughs> little tidbits here and there. Not today. But yeah, we're, they're suing. They're suing each other. 
wow, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> well, you know, I think that's good for now. Let's yeah, talk that's about good. the episode. I want to talk about, I don't know, I'm in a place today. I, I want to uh, have some fun. <laughs> she's in a place. I'm in a place. <gasps> and speaking of places, let's <gasps> go to some places. Oh, yeah, we are in a place. Oh, nice. <laughs> we are back to our tips and tricks episode, which... We're always like, huh, what new thing can we come up with for you all for this? So we went a little bit back to the drawing board of something we've sort of done before. So if you'll remember in season two, we did two character curations. So we covered Yzma and Winnie the Pooh, and we gave you a bunch of things to read, to listen to, et cetera, et cetera, around the characters. So we're bringing that format back this time. But Connor and I have each chosen a Disney locale to make curations around. So we pulled everybody on Instagram and our Instagram stories for some of their favorite Disney locations, places they wish they could go to. We heard some really fantastic answers. We will have to circle back and hit some of them up. Yeah. But we had a wealth of suggestions to choose from. We did get this suggestion for the land that Connor is going to cover. So Connor, Take it away with your curation. Yeah, so we did get this suggestion, but I was already very much leaning towards doing (laughs) it because it's long overdue because what is the location that I talk about all the time as loving and really have never dove into? It's Kumandra from Ryan the Last Dragon. yes. So I have this entire curation all done for you for Kumandra. I do want to just cite out some sources for some of the background information and places where I got stuff. So got Walt Disney Animation Studios, placesoffancy.com, which is actually a blog dedicated to real-world inspirations in films. Ooh. The Atlantic, I'm going to butcher this, Binging with Babish, 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 one of them, .com, a bunch of different places. So thank you all for your help as I did my research. I'm going to give you some background information because that is what we do here. We are not going to go in Absolutely. like uneducated fools into a curation. So <laughs> I'm going to give you the rundown of Kumandra. So Kumandra is the mythical land from the animated film Raya and the Last Dragon. The kingdom is made up of five clans that are geographically situated around the large dragon-shaped body of water at the center called the Dragon River. In this land, humans and dragons lived in harmony with one another. Dragons brought magic, rain, water, and peace to the land until a dark force known as the Droon came. The Droon take the form of dark purple clouds and are the antithesis of the dragons. They are born of human discord and are the embodiments of evil, consuming every living thing and turning it all to ash and stone. The only weakness to the Droon is water and the dragon gem. And the dragons fought the Droon after it had consumed much of Kumandra and turned many humans and dragons to stone. And ultimately, the last dragon, Sisu, channeled all of her magic into the dragon gem to ward off the Droon for good before mysteriously disappearing. In the wake of the disappearance of the dragons, the kingdom broke apart in the Kumandran Civil War as clans fought for control of the dragon gem for protection. They drew their own borders along the dragon river and divided themselves according to their location, fang, talon, spine, tail, and heart. Heart was all that remained of the unified kingdom of Kumandra and became the secret location of the dragon gem to keep the Droon at bay until the events of the film. So go watch it. It's it's a good time. You're going to enjoy yeah, it. Absolutely. I like it. The kingdom of Kumandra is based on the Southeast Asian geography and various cultures of the region. So the Dragon River is inspired by the essential Mekong River, known as the Mother River, which connects much of Southeast Asia. And each clan of Kumandra is unique with their own customs and draws inspiration from different blends of Southeast Asian cultures. So I'm going to go through each individual clan and sort of give you a little bit more information about them. So we'll start with Fang. This is located at the head of the Dragon River behind a man-made canal for protection against the Droon because the Droon is afraid of water. Some traits of Fang, they are opulent, regimented, and strong. Their colors are white and gold. The design is sharp, sparse, and cold to represent the pragmatic and calculated nature of the militaristic clan. 
and it is inspired by the pointed and geometric Rumah Gadang architecture style of Indonesia, the sprawling feel of Cambodia's Angkor Wat, and Singapore's position as a prosperous and strict island city-state. So that's Fang. Heart. Heart is located on a natural island near the center of the Dragon River. It is home of the Dragon Gem, and the land is very prosperous with lush rainforests and is the last remnant of the Kumandran government. The Dragon Bridge was built by Chief Benja to connect Heart to the mainland of Kumandra, and their traits are protective, reverent, and dedicated. Their colors are blue and green, and the design is very natural and fluid to represent the important connection to water. The rock formation of Heart is inspired by the limestone rock formations of Vietnam's Ha Long Bay, with aspects of Cambodia's Angkor Wat temple complex finding its way into the fortress that surrounds the base. And the island location and naturalistic environment is evocative of Bali, Palawan, and Phuket. Talon. Talon is located in the central southern region of the Dragon River, and Talon is the center of commerce in Kumandra, being a market town built on the water. The trading port is accessible through a series of canals and docks and is bustling at all times of day and night. The traits of Talon, we've got resourceful, cunning, and persistent. Their color is purple. And it's inspired by the floating markets of Vietnam and Thailand, as well as the night markets in Thailand and Laos. The capital of Thailand, Bangkok, is the most notable inspiration for Talon, often being referred to as the, quote, Venice of the East. Mm -hmm. Spine. Spine is located in the northeast region of the Dragon River among snow-capped mountains and black bamboo forests. Their traits are proud, fierce, and reclusive. Their colors are gray and navy. And although snow is not prevalent in Southeast Asia, apart from northern reaches of Myanmar, near the Himalayas, or the mountains of Vietnam, Spine's architectural design is inspired by the multi-windowed and high-roof structures of Indonesia and Laos. And then Tail, located far to the east, Tail is mostly an arid region now that water in the Dragon River is receding from drought. The people live in scattered settlements and are the perfect prey for the Droon, so the people of Tail survive by reusing and recycling. Their traits are independent, improvisational, and hardy, and their color is yellow. They are inspired by the deserts of Southeast Asia, like Bao Trang and Monni Sand Dunes in Vietnam. It also takes inspiration from the Red Rock Canyons of the Americas, actually. Mm. And some of the rock formations are modeled after the super tree grove of the gardens by the bay in Singapore. Ah. So at its core, the story of Ryan the Last Dragon is about how we are stronger working together than divided. And that couldn't be more apparent than in the actual land of Kumandra. Instead of just having each clan representative of one specific culture of Southeast Asia, every single one is a blend of different things. And as a unified kingdom, Kumandra can be prosperous for everyone, bring back the dragons, and beat back the Droon. The differences of each clan all contribute to a stronger whole. So largely, this location curation is going to be about channeling not just the feeling and sensorial aspects of Kumandra, but also of unity. Mm. All right, so I'm going to start this curation off by giving you something to read. So I'm going to be very obvious here and say that if you love Kumandra, you need to check out some of the other work that Kui Gwyn has done. Kui Gwyn is the screenwriter for Ryan the Last Dragon. And I would add to this curation his play, She Kills Monsters, which shares a lot of the themes of unity, understanding, forgiveness, etc. that we see in Ryan the Last Dragon. The play was originally produced at the Flea Theater in New York City in 2011 and has gone on to be one of the most produced plays in the United States. So here's the synopsis. Agnes Evans is a completely average woman who strives to be nothing but average until the day she wishes her life was a little less boring. Her wish unfortunately comes true when her family, including her younger sister Tilly, die in a car crash. Agnes was never close to Tilly due to the fact that they were interested in completely different things. Agnes loved mainstream pop culture, while Tilly had a passion for everything classified as nerdy or geeky with a special love for Dungeons and Dragons. As Agnes is cleaning and packing Tilly's room in order to move everything to her place, she finds a module Tilly had written for D&D. In order to get closer to the sister she never really knew, Agnes embarks on her own adventure with the help of Dungeon Master Chuck 
to play the game as Tilly designed. As she delves deeper into her quest, the fantasy world and reality begin to collide and mix as Agnes searches to connect with Tilly and realizes how much of her sister she never knew. It's a really, really cool play, especially if you get the opportunity to see it done. Yeah, I really um, want to so see I know it done. I, yeah. I know I have you reading this play and you should read the play, but also plays are meant to be seen and heard as well. Mm-hmm. So... Also, if you can get the chance to see this play, do it because the characters double as their characters inside the D and D characters. So it like flips back and forth between the real world and the fantasy world, and people it's dress up as fairies and everything. It's one of the most produced plays really by cool. high schools now, right? Like yes, every high school yes. is doing it. Interesting. Yes, I love and that. during the pandemic, Kui Gwyn reworked the play so that there is a version called "She Kills Monsters: Virtual Realms" that can be done for Zoom theater. <gasps> Oh my god. Yeah. So I would say read read She Calls Monsters. Delightful. So I'm going to move on to something to eat slash drink. It feels to me, again, that the pretty obvious choice here of something to eat inspired by Kumandra would be Kumandra soup. So this is the soup mm. that we see Boone serve in the film. And it's largely a take on Thai Tom Yum soup. Interestingly, Tom is a Thai word that refers to the boiling process, and yum means mix. So it's really a dish that's all about bringing different things and mixing them together. Ah. So binging with Babish, binging with Babish, they have a recipe for Kumandra soup, which is a broth-based soup that is made with lemongrass, shrimp, fish sauce, chili peppers, lime, and other herbs and spices. It can be served as is or over rice and is a traditional and popular Thai hot and sour soup. So Mm. I have uh, a recipe link that I'll put somewhere that you all can access it if you want to do that. But if soup is less your speed... My other option that I would give you would be to really, like, throw together, like, a potluck brunch or a dinner party. I highly recommend a board party where everyone brings a board of their favorite foods. (gasps) And you can sample recipes and foods that are loved by the most important people of your life. Because that feels very Kumandra about bringing a bunch of separate things that maybe don't seem like they go together. But mean a lot to those different people. And put them all together and get a taste of everything. I love that. And now I'm going to give you something to watch and just buckle in, folks. Oh? So I was going I was going over in my head a bunch of different things that I could have you watch. I was like, oh, should we watch Kubo and the Two Strings? Should we watch Princess Mononoke? Should we watch How to Train Your Dragon 2 so that we can get our, like, mm. dragon fix and also, like, conservation-y sort of thing going? Yeah. And then I was like... While those all feel like if you like Ryan the Last Dragon, you might like those. It doesn't really feel very much resembling Kumandra uh-huh. and the actual location of Kumandra. And then it hit me and I felt like an idiot. You're going to watch The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> so this is probably going to be my only chance to talk about The Dark Crystal on yes. this podcast. So I am taking it. Take it. This film is what made me want to make movies. It's Jim Henson's fantasy epic opus that premiered in 1982. And every character is a puppet. The Netflix show The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance premiered on the streaming service on August 30th, 2019. The series won the Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program, even though the show was dark as hell and, like, not children's program. Oh, my God, They put themselves in that category because puppets, right? And (laughs) they won. And then it was canceled by Netflix the day after it won an Emmy because Netflix is stupid. And this is why there's a writer's strike going on and we support Mm -hmm. our writers. It received consistent praise from both fans and critics alike. And the show is like literally everything Jim was trying to do in 1982 before the technology was there. And this is like your real, this is how you know something is working. When fans, like longtime hardcore fans and critics both love a thing, it is objectively good. Like it (laughs) is objectively good. And this is like, people are very, people who are obsessed with Jim Henson, like, they are very protective of the Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. People who have gone on to become professional puppeteers, all of them come back to the Dark Crystal because it was doing something in 1982 mm-hmm. that no one else was doing. So, okay, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. I watched this show in one sitting the day it came out, and then as soon as I finished, I immediately watched the entire show again. Oh, my it's God. It's a story about the magical world of Thra and the magical creatures that live there. 
the main race of beings, the Gelfling, have lived divided among seven disparate clans for years. Oh my God. While the mysterious Skeksis assumed power, controlling the crystal of truth and caring for all of Thra. Wait. But as the, <laughs> I know, sound familiar? Wait. <laughs> but as the Skeksis begin to use the crystal to steal life from the world of Thra to become immortal and a blight spreads through the land, the Gelfling must reckon with the fact that everything they know is a lie and the only path to save their world is to unite. Like Kumandra, Thra is a vast, diverse, and rich environment that you can get lost in. The seven Gelfling clans inhabit different gorgeous locales in the world from the Vapra, who live in the mountains, to the Groton clan that live deep underground, to the seafaring Sifa. Mm. It's an actual crime that this show is not continuing because it was amazing and is a world much like Kumandra that is worthy to come back to time and time again. And it features the most insanely talented puppeteers and artists and one of the best voice casts ever assembled that includes Sigourney Weaver, Natalie Emanuel, Taryn Edgerton, Anya Taylor-Joy, Mark Strong, Helena Bonham Carter, Lena Headey, Alicia Vikander, Jason Isaacs, Mark Hamill, Harvey Firestein, Aquafina, Keegan Michael Key, Gugu Mbatha Raw, Simon Pegg, Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Olafur Olafson, Natalie Dormer, Toby Jones, what? Theo James, Eddie Izzard, Benedict Wong, to name a few. Uh, <laughs> Go watch the show, people. And we get the Aquafina <sighs> connection, which is fun too. And we get an I Aquafina had no connection. Idea. I really didn't yeah. know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, folks. I do need to watch that. Okay. Go watch the okay. show. It means I the need world to, to me. Watch it's, that. it's it's everything. I will always hold hope that someone else will. It's an insanely expensive show to make, but it's worth it. I mean, you can you forget that you're watching puppets. Do like, you, you think forget. I need to have watched the original to watch this? No, no, you don't okay. need to. Because this is Age of Resistance is actually a prequel to the original. <gasps> Got it. Okay. So the, the Sigourney Weaver will sort of kind of walk you through it all in Got the beginning it. of like what you need to know. As she does. Yeah. But it's so Wow, good. that connection is wild. What a great right? choice. What a great choice. Combining two things that you love deeply too. It's just wonderful. I know. Amazing <laughs> what'll hit you when you're in the shower. <laughs> yeah. Next up, I have something for you to listen to. So this is probably the part of the curation that I am most pleased with. As expected, I've created a playlist for Kumandra that consists Mm. of 10 songs. What makes this one special is that I have selected two songs for each clan of Kumandra and assigned them all a different musical genre. Oh, how fun. I've ordered it in such a way that it should flow pretty nicely through the styles, but just be aware that they aren't in the traditional order of the clans going from, like, fang all the way to tail. We're going to start with Talon, which I have Mm. assigned electronic dance. Oh, absolutely. I wanted the music for Talon to have a lot of energy behind it, matching the bustling quality of the market town. Sprinkle in the way Talon lights up at night, and it's resourceful and cunning nature, and we get electronic dance music. Something that feels like it could accompany Raya and Boone as they search for the piece of the dragon gem through the busy and intoxicating streets and canals of Talon. So I chose two songs here. The first is Hypnotized by Purple Disco Machine and Sophia and the Giants. And then the second is Graves by Churches. Uh, I Mm. probably could do an entire playlist just of Churches songs, but uh, Mm. I I picked these two. And when you listen to them, you'll, you'll just, you'll hear it. It's fine. All right. So moving on to our next region, we've got Spine, which I have assigned classic rock. Yeah. (laughs) So a proud, fierce, and secluded clan like Spine needs music for warriors. And that's classic rock to me. Mm -hmm. It's the type of music that you work out to, train to, amp yourself up with ahead of an important meeting, and makes you just feel like a badass. But more than that, I want to choose two songs that are a bit more complicated or ones that don't immediately come to mind when you think of the genre. So the first one is Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God by Kate Bush. Oh, yeah. So this song doesn't need an introduction. We all know it now, thanks to Stranger Things, forcing it back into a well-deserved limelight. 
But I included this song because it has a drive to it that I think pairs really well with the persistence of Spine, living in the snowy mountains, facing off with the Droon until only one member of the clan remains. It's rock, (gasps) but it's also like an isolated song. It's just, Mm. it's driving. The beat never lets up until the song ends. And that feels like a backbone that feels like Spine. I love The next one I've got is Invincible by Pat Benatar. And this one is more on the nose. It's what I would want playing as I'm training the bravest warriors in Kumandra. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Next up, we've got Fang, which I have assigned alternative rock. This is an interesting genre that I think matches Fang really well because of how complex it is. Alternative rock encompasses a lot of music that is slightly off from mainstream pop music, but no less worthy. It can be angsty, but it can also be subtle. It's intelligent and it's emotional. It's layered and each listen shows you something new. And Fang is no different. Opulent, regimented, and strong, but also at its root, afraid. Fang is vulnerable, but puts up a front of strength, and that is very alt-rock. So the first song that I've got here is Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Huh, I didn't realize that I had a dragon. Oh my god. I wanted something to show a more modern alt-rock feel that brings out more of the angst. The references to dust and ash and the lyrics seem to call out to the fear for the future of Fang. But the second song that I've got is Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Ah. This is the other face of Fang, the sensitive, vulnerable side that we get glimpses of. This song is that raw place that all of the strength is trying to protect. Next up, we've got Tail, which is folk rock. Independent, improvisational, and hearty. I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Folk rock is always there, doing its own thing. It feels sturdy and reliant, sitting in a place between country, jazz, and rock that nothing else can quite touch. Mm. And Tail is out there on their own, doing their own thing. Even within themselves, they're a bit scattered and all following their own path. And that's what the folk rock artists do. Again, I want to choose two songs that give a lot of range and cross time within the genre to highlight the hardiness and the independence of tale. So the first song we've got here is I Will Wait by Mumford and Sons. Uh, and then the second, I've got The Times They Are a Changing by Bob Dylan. Ooh. And now we go into Heart, which is New Age. <sighs> New Age music (laughs) is very transcendental. It mixes many different aspects of many different genres. And then is also something very much its own. It's timeless. Mm -hmm. And with Heart as the center of Kumandra and the clan that holds onto the dream of a reunified kingdom again, it seems fitting to bring a lot of musical influences together in a single unique genre. So the songs that I've chosen to close out this playlist are... Songs that thematically and musically reference future, hope, and unity. So the first is Book of Days by Enya. Listen, I fucking unapologetically love Enya. Enya. And maybe I'll do another playlist of just Enya songs for Disney characters or something. Who knows? (laughs) But ethereal, timeless, transcendental, hope for the future. That voice is Enya. You do love Enya. Oh, God, I love love it. I love Enya. And then the last song on this playlist is a song called Baba Yetu by Christopher Tin featuring the Soweto Gospel Choir. I actually sang this song in a selective all-state choir, and it's one of the most powerful pieces of music I've ever sung. Mm. It was used for the opening sequence of Sid Meier's Civilization IV, which is a video game that charts civilizations through history. And it's actually the Lord's Prayer sung in Swahili. Oh. And it feels like this global hope or this like global prayer. And that's what Hart wants for Kumandra. So that's why I'm closing it out with that. Ooh. And I listened to this playlist today as I took a walk. Did it slap? And may I just say <laughs> the flow? I am quite proud of the oh, flow. Oh, so I'm don't excited. Shuffle this one. Don't oh, shuffle Oh, no, it. no, no. Yeah, no way. <gasps> oh. All right. And so now we're going to close out this location curation with something to do. I'm always a big proponent of playing a game as an activity, and this is no exception. Ryan and the Last Dragon plays out largely like a superhero team-up film, with each new character bringing important and specific talents to the group, and Kumandra is a kingdom made of five very distinct clans. 
So to really give all of your friends a moment to shine based on their own specific talents, I would obviously recommend a cooperative tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. These types of games allow you to immerse yourself in a fantasy world like Kumantra while working together to accomplish a goal. Each player has their own unique set of abilities that will help your party as a whole. Now, I know the world of Dungeons & Dragons can be pretty intimidating for new players because of how expansive it can be. So if you're looking for a game that is cooperative and incorporates elements of a tabletop role-playing game, but with more of the structure of a board game, there are a few games that you can buy that I played myself that I would recommend. So the first would be Funko Games' The Goonies Never Say Die. This is straight up Dungeons and Dragons for beginners, and it's all themed around the Goonies. It's honestly one of the most fun games I've ever played, and as someone who had never played D&D, it was exactly the stepping stone that I needed. So, highly recommend that. Funko games are just always good, too. Funko makes fantastic games. Yeah. They really are. Next, I have Ravensburger's Disney's Gargoyles Awakening. Yes. This is a super cool cooperative TTRPG that centers around the characters and stories from the Disney animated TV series Gargoyles. So this game board features 3D buildings that like you construct and put in. So it's like a, it's got all kinds, it's like, it's awesome. And your gargoyle tokens, they will climb and glide from the buildings as they attempt to complete various missions and protect the city. It's dope AF. It's a lot of fun. Do you have but it? Again, I do. Oh, God. Thank, uh, thank God you told me. I, w- I saw it in Barnes & Noble and I was going to buy it for you. <laughs> oh, no, I got it last year for Christmas. Oh, my <laughs> God. On my list. It's so much fun. Uh, and then the third example that I have on here also is Ravensburger's The Princess Bride Adventure Book Game. Again, I What? I want to play that. This is a really cool cooperative game where the board and missions change as you progress through the game and move from one chapter of The Princess Bride to the next. So literally, oh! you'll have a chapter that'll be like Buttercup's Farm and everything like that. And you have things that you have to do together as your team. And then once you accomplish them, you turn the page and the board changes. And now you have new missions that you have to do as you go through the full story of The Princess Bride. It's very fun. It's very cool. I want to play that. But yeah, these are just some ideas. All in all, you're going to want a cooperative role-playing game for Kumandra. Something that really immerses you because that is... That is what is front and center for Ryan the Last Dragon is Kumantra, is this location. So that's what you want to do. But also teamwork because that's mm. that's what this is about. Oh, I love that. There's so much variety within that curation. I love it. So that's it. That's the that's the curation ah. for Kumantra. I uh, hope that you take my advice and do a couple of those things. And uh, if nothing else, you watch Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. <laughs> If I can do nothing yeah, it was else, ab- it was about time that you talked about Dark Crystal and Kumandra. Listen, there it's is like there, it's great. I, oh, I'm so happy that I got to do both in one episode. What a combo! Like, I know. What privilege! So excited. <laughs> All right, now it's your turn. Give us a location curation. I will. So my location. This is fun because we're covering two films that we really haven't talked about on the podcast yet. So this is really fun. My location is The Great Before from Soul. So The Great Before is a cosmic plane from Disney Pixar's 2020 film, Soul. The opposite of The Great Beyond, this realm is where new souls gain personalities and interests before earning their passes to enter a newborn's body on Earth. Our hero, Joe Gardner, finds himself in The Great Before when he makes his great escape from the escalator in the sky leading to The Great Beyond, otherwise known as The Afterlife. The Great Before, also called The You Seminar, is run by abstract counselors, all named Jerry, and they're basically, if you ask the animators and the creative team, they're the universe dumbing itself down into a form for humans to be able to comprehend it. So these counselors assign traits to the new souls via personality pavilions. There's the excitable pavilion, the aloof pavilion, etc., etc. So after new souls gain their personality traits, they are paired with mentors, souls of those who lived lives on earth and passed on. Mentors assist the new souls in identifying their spark, their soul's personal passion. 
they can find their spark in two different places in the grade before. So we have first the Hall of You. So here is where mentors take souls on a tour of an exhibit of memories from their lives on earth in the hope that their mentee will be inspired by their life and find their spark that way. And then the other option is the Hall of Everything. So as its name suggests, this is where mentors bring souls to try a little bit of everything life on earth has to offer in the hopes of discovering their spark from baking to sports and on and on. A new soul's earth pass is complete once it is filled with their personality traits and finally their spark. They are then brought to the earth portal, an opening in the great before that allows souls to take the flight down to their new life on earth. The great before is also home to a place souls can return to in moments during their life on earth, the zone. I find this concept so beautiful. The first time I saw soul, it made me burst into tears. The zone is a place where souls can enter when their passions bring them to a level of euphoria that brings them to a place between the physical and the spiritual. In the film, I love this so much, we see an actress performing the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet and it sends her right into the zone and honestly gives me chills just talking about it. Oh my God. I love watching Joe play when he enters the zone. Yes, yes. The zone is, the great before is beautiful, but I find the zone specifically so beautiful. So the zone is a reference to the positive psychology term flow state, which includes intense and focused concentration on the present moment, merging of action and awareness, a loss of reflective self-consciousness, a sense of personal control or agency over the activity, the alteration of one's subjective experience of time, and the experience of the activity as intrinsically rewarding. So the flow state results in this feeling of just the fact that success is a huge potential and a feeling that you're so engrossed in the experience that other needs become negligible. The zone, however, does have a dark side. When the euphoric joy that brings souls to the zone becomes an obsession, souls become lost in that valley, wandering until they can once again become connected with their earthly bodies and life. One soul, Moonwind, and his companions travel the zone looking for lost souls and help return them to their earthly bodies through chanting, meditation, music, and more. As described by 22, who is the soul that Joe meets, uh, the new soul that Joe meets in The Great Before, (laughs) the Great Before is fundamentally immaterial, and so its appearance is a metaphysical, hypothetical, influenced by perception. So... How did the animators go about creating the visual landscape of the great before and the appearance of its inhabitants? So also, pause. I didn't cite my sources with all this great stuff so far. So this and everything before um, is from Disney Wiki, LA Times, and Sci-Fi.com. So production designer Steve Pilcher created the great before to be in what he called a constant state of pre-dawn light in order to contrast with the blinding sunlight of the entrance to the great beyond, the afterlife. The realm is colored in pastels to give everything a soft feeling with muted forms and translucency to give everything the inviting feeling of a baby just waking up in its crib in the morning. The colors of the souls and the realm overall live in a neutral place, with gender-associated colors like pink and blue blending into the purples of the fields, and the new souls animated like light going through a prism from warm to cool colors, to avoid any colors we might associate with skin colors like white. Director Pete Doctor and the animation team first planned to base the architecture of the great before around Greek structures, partially because of depictions of Elysian fields featuring Greek architecture, Elysian fields being a reference to heaven, where we go in the afterlife, and Greece being the birthplace of philosophy. But the team wanted the great before to have a little bit more of a universal feel, And they eventually based the design off of architecture from the World's Fairs of the 1930s through 60s. And when you look at it and watch the film, you can see that like we've got a there. There's a little bit of it that will remind you of it's a small world. It's really nice. Yeah. So the Jerry's, the counselors of the great before. And like I said, basically the universe distilled into some kind of abstract form. They are drawn with 2D lines in the 3D space of the before, playing on the idea that the universe is trying to appear in the simplest way possible to living beings. The team actually arrived at this design via an art department model of the counselors using wire sculptures. And they looked at it and said, wait, actually, they work exactly this way. Very cool. 
So 22, who has been stuck in the great before for thousands of years, is finally released from her doubts about entering an earthly existence when Joe realizes that a soul's spark doesn't have to be its purpose, but merely a beautiful indication of the desire to live life. Enjoying life just as you are is enough. So my great before curation seeks to channel this enoughness while also reflecting the new soul's search for a spark and the ways that we can reconnect with our own lost souls. Oh, God. Don't make me cry. (laughs) So something to watch. This might be seem like a little bit of an interesting choice, but bear with me. I think if you are very into the themes and ideas of The Great Before, you should watch the movie Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. So this 2021 film, based on the stage musical of the same name by Jonathan Larson, is his autobiographical depiction of his journey of writing a new musical and just trying to break into the world of musical theater writing. This movie will shatter your soul into a million pieces and then put it back together again. And it touches on basically every aspect of the great before. So Jonathan, played brilliantly by Andrew Garfield, who should have won the Oscar for this performance, his spark is clearly writing musicals nearing the point of lost soul obsession that causes him to forsake many of his personal relationships. He catches himself in this at the climax of the film, singing the song Why, questioning if he has gotten lost on the path of his purpose, singing I made a vow, I wonder now, am I cut out to spend my time this way? And I ugly cry every time I hear this song. I still haven't (sighs) watched it. (sighs) You have to prepare. You it you have to be ready to let that happen to you. <laughs> I have I have been in a not so great artistic space uh for a while and so <sighs> it might help it, it might, it now, might help. Well, now now that things are a lot different than they were last year. Um yeah. it might be a better time to revisit. Yes. But why is the climax of like what all of every artist has thought? It's also just like it's so it's ties so beautifully into like the lesson of soul overall as well. But it's I cry the same kind of cathartic tears that I cry watching soul. And the two films just swirl around the same questions about the meaning of life in very different but equally beautiful ways. And I seriously cannot recommend it more. And just to balance that out, if you like are not can't be watching a movie right now, can't have your soul broken into a million pieces. I have another suggestion for you. So Taryn Delaney Smith is Miss New York, but is also an absolute sensation on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. She has created, I'm sure you might have run across it in your algorithm at some point already, an absolutely brilliant TikTok and really Instagram real character, Denise, who is the receptionist of heaven. And she does these little one minute reels. If you enjoy the fun that Soul has, especially with like the cameos of famous figures from history, you will absolutely love Taryn's Heaven series. She plays this like quintessentially New York Denise perfectly in the most hilarious situations involving souls, demons, subscriptions to Heaven's Angel Premium Plus service. Like it's (laughs) comedy gold. (laughs) But then I also found out yesterday this and this is just too much. Just to break you a little, Taryn has started creating personal dedication videos in which she performs as Denise welcoming the deceased loved ones of folks in the comments. So get the tissues ready. So it's like someone was like, hey, can you make one for my friend? She was very young. She passed at 20. Like she probably would have been afraid. And she and I watched this one and I burst into tears. It's just like this woman is an absolute national treasure. And this is also just like to get a little bit meta with it, too. I think this is also a wonderful example of using of her using her spark to bring laughter and comfort to people who desperately need it. It's just really beautiful. Uh, so you've got two options there. Woof. <laughs> oh, I love those. Uh, so you got two options, shorter and longer. Okay, now for something to eat or drink. So interestingly, souls in the great before are not able to taste, smell, or eat. Um, All of these things are tied to physical bodies, which they do not have. So for this part of the curation, I'm leaning more into the color scheme and mood of the great before. 
So I, I feel like I tend to offer like New York City based options a lot. So I have one, but I will offer you an alternative if you are not in New York City. <laughs> so <laughs> my New York City and actually LA suggestion. So this place has locations in both cities is Cha Cha Matcha. The name kind of speaks for itself. They focus on matcha beverages. On the website, they describe matcha, like as compared to coffee, as offering a calm, clear, and centered energy guaranteed to elevate your day. This vibe to me is so very Moonwind and the kind of centered connection he helps the lost souls of the before find to bring themselves back to their physical bodies. But beyond that, this spot offers little drinkies and an array of colors that totally evoke the palette of the great before. My current favorite and like my true obsession right now, luckily I do not live near a cha-cha matcha because I have a problem. It's the purple drink. So it actually has CBD in it. So it's CBD, lavender, and ube with a milk of your choice and matcha on top. Not only is it delicious and beautiful, but I'm telling you, the one-two punch for me of the matcha and CBD, it really works wonders in that like very centered, awake, but calm <laughs> feeling that is very hard for me personally to obtain. I was going to say, I'm like, do we not have pot brownies on this either drink <laughs> yes, list? Or a weed gummy or something? Oh my god. Um, and with, there's other ones that are just as beautiful. Blue and pink drinks, an array of matcha and coffee options. And also the cafes themselves are just like pink tinted. The new souls would feel very much at home here. But if you want an option for at home, not to fear. You can still get similar calming and aesthetically pleasing beverages right in your own home. So one option is Recess. So Recess is a brand of sparkling water infused with hemp and adaptogens, which is something like ginseng, to help you unwind packaged in super aesthetic pastel cans. There's also a line of Recess mood sparkling waters enhanced with magnesium to help you balance your, your mind. These things, I will say, work for me. Obviously, I am not a doctor. I am not a healthcare professional. Please, like, make the best decisions for you. For me, this is basically the canned equivalent of Moonwind's Chanting Circle in the Great Before with a color palette to match. The coconut lime and blueberry chai flavors fully evoke the rolling hills of the before with their beautiful, aesthetically pleasing cans. So you can visit takearecess.com if you want to order and if you don't want anything to enhance your mood or change it in any way, and you just want the vibes, I've got another suggestion for you. So you can get Tea Drops Ube Tea. Tea Drops is awesome. I discovered them during the pandemic when I was just like, the only thing to do was like online shop and like order myself little presents. So this was one of the <laughs> things I ordered. So Tea Drops is totally a tea lover's dream. Their online store sells loose leaf teas that are pressed into single serving drops that you simply plop right into your boiling water. So the cool thing about this is it reduces tea bag waste as well as avoiding microplastics and bleach that can leach out of traditional tea bags. So hooray health and staying on the earthly plane a little bit longer. If you're looking for an aesthetic purple drinky to remind you of the softness of the great before, but you aren't looking for those other things with like calming additives, Look no further than the ube tea and ube boba tea. The ube tea is caffeine-free. It can be enjoyed hot or iced or as a latte. You can add boba to your order on the site to make your own at-home boba tea. And the, the, the drinks are beautiful. The creamy, purpley hues of the drink evoke the softness of the great before. And all of the drink options I've described here very much lean into the importance of enjoying the small moments the way that soul and the great before encourage us to. So there you go. Wow, you really did go with like pot brownies. Yeah, like my, the Caroline well, the, equivalent the, of a the pot, my equivalent, pot which is like it's got to be pretty. <laughs> Give us something to read. Okay, I will. So I'm going to suggest something that I feel like I don't know, maybe coming from a creative background. I assume everybody's heard of this, but I am going to suggest the artist's way by Julia. There it Cameron. is. Yeah, like come on. <laughs> So although used as a tool by creatives for over 30 years, this book is useful for literally anyone looking to just reconnect with themselves. Through prompts and writing exercises, Cameron guides readers through several weeks of what she calls artistic creative recovery. The foundational element of this journey is the morning pages, which are three pages of longhand stream of consciousness writing to be done first thing every morning to clear your mind and clear your creative channels. Cameron has readers take themselves on artist dates, answer self-reflective questions, and more in order to gain confidence in their inner creative abilities. And y'all, let me just tell you, this book is no joke. 
I have actually yet to fully finish it. Julia warns you of this in the intro, alluding to the fact that you might start avoiding the work because of what it begins to uncover within you. And honestly, guilty is charged. This book will definitely help you reconnect with the spark that maybe your soul found in the great before, helping you get yourself back on the path of following your creative dreams while simultaneously confirming that everything you already have within you is enough that taking in the world around you already makes you an artist. I can't think of a better way to rediscover who you might have been in the great before, before your earthly experiences covered your spark in doubt. So I'll report back if I start again and get through it. It's one of my goals. Again, if that feels a little bit creative leaning for you and what interests you about the great before is more of the concept of pre-existence that can really be found in some way in all of the world's major religions, I've got two books that would interest you. There's one that's called Courageous Souls, Do We Plan Our Life Challenges Before Birth by Robert Schwartz. And it explores the idea that we are all eternal souls who choose each lifetime's earthly challenges for the purpose of spiritual growth before we're born. So while I haven't read this specific book, I read a similar book by a medium whose name and book title I could not remember, but it explores the same idea and it has truly lived rent-free in my head ever since. So the pre-existence in these books takes a more realistic, if that's possible, look at what a before might look like for us. I have to do some thinking on the subject of like what if I believe that this is what we do, but I find the concept of determining our soul's growth and development beautiful and, and very comforting, which is very much how the great before feels. Another option is a book I have read, and it's called Many Lives, Many Masters by psychotherapist Dr. Brian Weiss. It chronicles his journey with a young patient who began to access memories from her past lives during their hypnotherapy sessions. It is a fascinating exploration of the possibility of our souls being eternal. A little bit different from the way the great before functions, but a very fascinating alternative. So if you want to dive more into the concept of souls, I recommend those two books. I love that. Now give us something to do. All right. So for my things to do, once again, we've got a New York option and we've got an at-home option. But, you know, I think this first New York option, you can probably do it in a town or city near you as well. So one thing you can do is get your aura read in a reading or a workshop. So your aura is the unseen spiritual energy field around you. And the colors of your aura are said to give insight into your spiritual well-being. Many aura readers also have psychic gifts, some have Reiki training, so attending an aura reading can help heal anything that may be disconnecting you from life, like the lost souls of the great before. If you find yourself in New York City, the Namaste Bookshop Mm. near Washington Square Park has readings available with a wide range of spiritual practitioners and healers. I actually, at one point in college, had a session with Sam Daniels, and I looked it up, and he still does readings there. And He told me a lot of things about my life and spooky, but like they were all true. If you really want to go all in on integrating your aura into your way of life, there's also a coaching service based in New York called Aura Wear. So it offers aura readings followed by an energy cleanse and then a follow-up guide on how to wear colors based on your aura that will empower you. AuraWare also offers 12-week coaching programs to help you gain clarity and inspiration around your vision for your life. These are all ways to connect to our most primal, original, most before versions of ourselves and really channel who we naturally are, letting that be enough. But if you want to do something related to the great before a little bit closer to home, to borrow from the artist's way, take your inner child on a date. Following what Julia Cameron prescribes, This date is a block of time especially set aside and committed to nurturing your creative consciousness, your inner artist, an excursion, a play date that you pre-plan and defend against all interlopers. So you got to go do this by yourself. This is a way that you can access the naive, untouched enthusiasm of the new souls of the great before. Tapping into the things that spark joy. Judgment be damned. Some ideas for these dates include going to a library or bookstore and reading a bunch of children's books, flying a kite, having an ice cream tasting party for one, or literally anything at all that comes to mind when you ask yourself the simple question, what sounds fun? Just as new souls do in the hall of everything. 
Ah, give us something to listen to. Well, just like you, Connor, I made a playlist as well. We always, we have to. So I have created, I I will link it, you know, we'll link our playlist in the socials. I've just called this the Great Before Playlist. So I've created a playlist of songs that I could imagine hearing playing in the background of the Great Before. Feel free to put this one on shuffle. Here are some of the tracks I've included with a couple of surprises that you'll just have to go over and, you know, find for yourself. Here are a couple of the tracks. The Obvious, New Soul by Yael Naim. So that was playing in those Apple commercials years and years ago and was a huge hit. Kaleidoscope Heart by Sarah Bareilles. Oh, yes. Right? Good Morning Starshine from Hair. Bundle of Joy from Inside Out, because let's be Mm -hmm. real, there are a lot of parallels here. Lucky to Be Me by Blossom Deary. Express Yourself, Say Yes by John Batiste. Try Everything from Zootopia. I found a fantastic lullaby version of Born This Way by Lady Gaga. And let me tell you, it's good. So that's on there too. Moon Glow by Samara Joy. And On a Clear Day You Can See Forever by Barbara Streisand. These songs aim to evoke a combination of the soft morning glow of the great before combined with the exciting quest to discover one spark. Also, the great before screams like inspiring podcast. I had such a hard time narrowing down the options. This is actually one I haven't listened to, but it really grabbed my attention. So I think I'm going to give it a listen. It's Happier with Gretchen Rubin. So she's the author of the number one bestseller, The Happiness Project. So I did read that book. And um, the cool thing about her podcast, there's tons of full length episodes, but she does this little thing called Little Happier, these three to four minute nuggets of wisdom about getting back in touch with what truly makes us happy rather than what we feel is expected of us. And finally, to access the Moonwind side of things, you can listen to on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, etc., anywhere, really just Google it solfeggio frequencies. So solfeggio frequencies are a set of nine electromagnetic tones that are reputed to have the power to heal and raise our consciousness. They form the basis of many ancient sacred music traditions dating as far back as the 8th century, like Gregorian chants and Indian Sanskrit chants. So each of the nine frequencies is said to have a specific healing property and connection to a specific chakra. So the one that feels the most great before to me is what is called the pure miracle tone, which is 963 hertz. This one is associated with the crown chakra and is said to awaken intuition, raise your vibration, and make you feel connected with the oneness of the universe. So you can find this anywhere. Like I use them sometimes to go to sleep. Some people like them in the background of when they're working. Chris told me about these at first and I was like, sure, okay. (laughs) And then I started listening to them and there's something to it. There's something to them. So give it a try and let me know what you feel. (laughs) I love that. That's great. Yeah. So this was a very (laughs) woo-woo, ethereal curation for (laughs) you. Listen, I think I'm in a place where I am going to try some of that. I think I'm going to dig up my copy of The Artist's Way. I'm going to dive into that. Play some frequencies. Drink a little like CBG drink. Try these things. Yeah. Also, I just have to say, maybe also just rewatch Soul because I enjoyed Soul the first time I watched it. But every time I watch it, I love it even more. Yeah. It's really good. It's real good. Alrighty. Well, those are our location curations. We hope you enjoyed it. If you liked what you heard, please remember to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. So all of our episodes download to your device. You don't miss out on anything. And this is the time to hit five stars and leave a written review so that other people can find the podcast. We're seen in search results, all that good stuff. Writing a review is one of the most simple things that you can do that goes a long, long way for us. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just scroll all the way down on the episode and then you'll see where you can do five stars and then you can write some words. And we would really, really appreciate that. We would also love it if you would follow us on social media. So we are at Poor Unfortunate Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And we are at Unfortunate Pod on Twitter. So as I mentioned earlier, we sourced ideas for this episode right from our Instagram stories. Uh, We always post extra materials related to the episodes, whether it's concept art from the topic we talked about, whether it's for this one, it will be uh, links to some of the things we've talked about. So 
It's a really, really key addition to these episodes. So please follow us. And if you need even more Poor Unfortunate podcasts in your life, please join our private Facebook group, The Poor Unfortunate Fam. We had a couple of new members this past week, which is always very exciting. Yeah. And it's just a place where all of our listeners can meet each other, discuss the episodes, discuss Disney news in general. One of our wonderful fan members, Ryan, is always dropping, like, I've got a book suggestion from him. He's always dropping the latest uh, Little Mermaid news for us. And it's just a way for Connor and I to just see some names and faces of folks who listen to the podcast, which is really special. And we are so grateful for it. And we would love to meet you in there. So please join. If you're looking for some merchandise, the Poor Unfortunate Shop is open. Poorunfortunatepodcast.com slash shop. Water bottles, t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, all that good stuff. And again, if you are a person who is artistically inclined and have some ideas for merchandise and want to collaborate, please reach out to us, poorunfortunatepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to start a conversation. And as I always say, it does take us a little bit of money to keep the podcast up and running and coming to you. We do have a PayPal account. It's linked in our episode description and in the links of our social media accounts. Truly, anything they have to spare goes a long way for us. It could be $1, $5, $10, more than that. It can be a one-time donation or it could be a monthly donation. Truly, all of it just goes right back into the podcast, helping us keep it free and ad-free for the most part. And special thank you to all of our monthly donors. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for us. Until next time, Beluga Beluga Savruga. Savruga.